cool. Guess I could put a little limiter or something on there. I start. I got this other sound card that's like supposed to be a much more clean, precise. I'm gonna start using it instead of the UAD if I'm not, you know, using crazy effects. God, I love my fucking UAD though. I can't believe that I was such a like weird early adopter of that stuff. And I know. Then, and then I've never gone back, even though I never. I always liked it. They just kind of railroaded me out of their ecosystem by. Because the hardware changed so much. And I mean, my shit, I don't know if you remember, but it was like PCMCIA card. Yeah, yeah. And it was powerful as shit. And, you know, during that time, everything became dongles and just everything was just horrible for what we're doing. And now everything is settled out to be basically USB or USB-C, you know, Thunderbolt yeah. 2. The Apple shit, the Thunderbolt Apple shit is USB-C. Isn't the Thunderbolt faster than USB-C still, though? It's, I don't care yeah. if it's faster. It's what it is. Basically, they've satelliteized your PCI bus with these devices, you know? Like your, your Thunderbolt monitor, the PCI, part of the circuitry is in the cable itself, Part of it's in the monitor or the sound card or the whatever the fuck it is that you're running on a Thunderbolt bus. It's shit that used to go in, on a card in a slot. You have a thing with the knob on it that's actually doing processing legitimately. Oh, yeah. 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 And they're great at it. The actual converters, I wouldn't rely, I wouldn't super rely on them because they have like they're warm they have, they're like pleasing they're not as flat as you would like the actual converters on the card just for listening to music but the zero latency shit they've developed this preamp that senses the impedance of whatever you plugged into it if that's like a bass or a synthesizer or a microphone specifically for different microphones it senses different microphones and, allow, and intelligently gains them up. And you have these preamps that are zero latency preamps with impedance matching. It's just so fucking powerful. You can make shit sound so good. Yeah, I'm using one of them for Tycho. I have like the whole fucking band coming off the stage going into a Universal Audio Apollo, running it at like full throttle every night and they're cool I got two of them and I almost never have to switch between them I could go between the A and B system while the band is playing definitely there is a a time code signal that goes out to that can drive the lighting console and that can drive the video server and can and does and has the backups of and then beyond that, people regard it as, as a utility, as something that's like necessary to run an operation at that level to have it sound good on those systems is, to, is for the live show to be fully fleshed out with, with album stems and with supplementary audio to make it sound good on those systems. Mm. And... A further utility is having all of the individual sounds or samples that the musicians played on the record, having those available so that when the song rolls over or when the chorus 
rolls over, then it loads their sound for that part. And you can have the whole album essentially re-synthesized. And, you know, the band that I'm working for now primarily have taken it a full step further and have like full like studio. They have the full input chains from the studio that they're playing live with, essentially. So, you know, you can... When you say the input chains from the studio, what do you mean exactly? I mean, it's like, you know, what is it? You know, the concept of total recall, Mm -hmm. when you would have, like, total recallability for all of your settings on a console or an analog piece of equipment Mm -hmm. or whatever. So the universal audio stuff, like because they're using because they're using DSPs fully and all that, you're saying, right? Like, yes, they're not modeling an SSL console. They might use a plugin that they used that already modeled an SSL console. So they're right. not they're not totally mo- they're so they're starting digital as a primary platform in order to go further. Oh yeah, he fully leverages all DSP as a platform for for sound design the whole way through. And then when he's got that perfect, you know, P bass sound in the studio and that, you know, he then when they go on tour, they bring that P bass, they bring that preamp, they bring that virtual channel strip and then you have that tone everywhere you go. It's you're not relying on a DI. You're not relying on the floor wedges at that theater. Oh yeah. You're not relying on anything ever. It is now. It is entirely self-contained, and it's the same exact tonal development and characteristics that you had when you pressed record and when you were mixing. See, that's like that's always the thing, right? Like, like it's that's the dream. But then at the same time, I wonder if something gets lost in that also. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes, I mean, there's... But also, there's, that's, that's probably the fine line between being a craftsman about everything versus, like, we're going and we're hitting 200 cities. This shit's got to be right. It's got to be on. This stuff's going on and off planes nonstop. Right, which is why it's all... All that stuff is, like, on cloud storage and backed up and it's digitally replicable, you know? Like, not only is the equipment road worthy and ready to travel every day uh, but you can also hopefully get them in major cities you can get more of them should you lose yours reload your configuration onto it and go you know that that system that sound card system has made that power of the studio into something that's also totally portable for a live band to sound unreal and that's I think that's an unintended consequence because nobody's doing what we're doing to the extent of how we're doing it. I was just watching Pink Floyd live at Pompeii for the first time in forever, probably I don't know, probably at least ten years or I don't know more. And I was watching that and I was just man. It's that weird thing where like when you're young and you've got the ability to do something, then you'll just do it. But I think about what a colossal pain in the ass that must have been on every level. I don't know how they had any fun at all, you know? Looking at it as an adult, when you're a kid, it looks like a mystical experience is happening. And then as an adult pragmatist, I'm just like, God. Yeah. Do you see any porta potties? (laughs) They said they had to run their line into town for all the power. It was a one-mile stitching of power runs 
And then they had to hire people to guard it at, you know, they had to hire townspeople to guard it at these intervals so that it wouldn't get messed with. Because they just literally had to run an extension cord from the city of Pompeii out to the ruins. (laughs) That's the queen's money. You can only do that with like queen type money. That's right. (laughs) What's your worst nightmare you've ever had technically on a gig? But then maybe not the worst one, just like the second to worst one. Oh, man, like act like nightmare or like actual happened. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're living nightmare, actual living nightmare. Okay. There was a time when at one point in a set during which there was a break there was like a there was sort of like a medley like a big chunk of audio three three songs mashed together and then sort of like a weird break where there was feedback or whatever and then when they go into the next section the drummer has control of like the song launcher pad not me i'm just standing there watching a pair of computers he launches the song and it comes in like at a different sample rate seemingly i still i still to this day don't know what happened but we were at a different speed like like somehow we like switched to 96k uh playback between songs and it came in like really slow and slushy and they it was so psychedelic because they tried to play along with it and then they stopped they were like no 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 this is fucked up and <laughs> You know, switch computers. Like, obviously, we're going to start it again. This is in the middle of a gig or a sound check? This is two thirds of the way through, like, a sold out show in Poland at, like, a a rager. Yeah, context. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A rager. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rager. This this particular venue is inside a swimming pool with like three levels of mezzanines all the way around. Used to be an old health club, and now the stage is in the deep end, and the, and the crowd stands in the pool and around in the mezzanines. It's a really cool venue. So yeah, right at the peak of the set, just like so, you know. The other computer does it too, and the band comes off stage, which is like, that's my nightmare. That's the living nightmare when not only have the computers fucked up and glitched, but like the entire show has ground to a stop, and the band is walking off stage and don't know what to do at the, you know. So I, you know, I restarted the computers. It was fine. Just just like a a big, uh, like, sort of. Whatever the equivalent is, like the the Apple, the sorry, the Apple boot up song sound, yeah, is that, that like comes up in the arena. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, you've thought of that. Uh, essentially, yeah, essentially that's what needed to happen. So yeah, I restarted the Apple computers and and opened the same file again and pressed the button for that song and it came out and it was fine and the rest of the show was fine. But, you know, that's my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. My job my job was over with that band for like a year. I, I ended up working with them again, but that <laughs> was near the end of a tour. And they were like, yeah, this isn't working. That's rough, man. Yep. That is rough. 
It's like you're in uh, like sort of the paramilitary of the arts or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Well, so and then all right, so then uh, what do you do now? Shit, I'm trying to like really if I'm shooting for the stars, you know, developing online mastering business and mixing albums. So I don't know when these people are going to be like, you know, recording albums really productively again, remotely. People have got to get on that learning curve or, you know, just hang tight for a year. Was it you that I was talking about? Or no, I was talking to Jim Domain and he was just, you know, obviously he's a legendary mastering dude, but it seems like there's just going to be this real... I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens uh, where because technology's uh, gotten to this point now where if you want to work with somebody else, it's not necessarily always because you need that person to do the sort of labor of it. It's sort of like I need guidance on every level or I need to have an artist in their field that I entrust this to or I form this sort of partnership with. I mean, I, th I think that in a lot of ways what we were doing in the earlier days was sort of the beginnings of that sort of situation where the technology was just getting there to where you could have a, a kind of a digital studio, but people would come to you for a particular flavor and approach or whatever. The, the palette is wild now. I think they'll, not what they need. I think that they will continue to just recognize their own sense of like what's fancy sounding to them, what's expensive sounding to them. So... You know, and also, like, just as you said, the relationships that you have with artists, it that's you're going to have a relationship with your mastering person if you take it seriously. Because probably if you're a producer, you're curious about that process, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like if you were if you're a person that works in clay or whatever the hell and and it's something that you have to give to somebody to fire, you know, or like whatever the most mm -hmm. critical yeah, something you put so much energy and had such a sort of moment with, or whatever you want to call it, the sacred thing you made, or whatever you, want, you know, maybe not. And then you really have to just give it to somebody and say, make like finalize this. But it all it means so many different things about the way that colors render or textures happen, or like just a whole bunch of ways. I think that that mm -hmm. par parallels. So uh, for people that don't realize. You know what mastering is? It's it's overlooked as fuck. It used to be something that there's artisans for it, but there's also just a bunch of cheap facsimiles of it as well. Yeah, I want to know more about the the sort of the the curve and the development of it that we're on. Obviously, the peak of that shit would have been during the peak of compact disc distribution era i've read that the very beginning of it came with the necessity of having somebody who understood how to cut lacquer and that it's a, it's sort of an antiquated function of making sure that a lacquer will play you know that's where having the bass in mono comes from because the you know the phase the way that the record needle reads the phase of the bass and the, you know then obviously then making shit louder and you know that was the third wave so now we're in a fourth wave of sort of like loudness of like I don't know maybe maybe I'm on the fifth wave I don't know I think that there's 
people coming out with stuff that they've done kind of lo-fi or maybe they've maybe they've unintent they've left it uncompressed maybe it's maybe they want it to be quiet and i think that there's probably going to be an audience for things that have been left fucking quiet and just polished it seems like mixing in general has just gotten uh, sort of way cooler now in a particular way like is like more sculptural and precise not like in a clean way but just in terms of way the image is shaped and the depths and the just the accuracy in which everything can be done just the sound quality in the mix that can be done almost casually now is mind-blowing this is what i was talking about earlier with Tycho being self-contained you know we've got 16 channels of of preamps that you can have like with all whatever you want on them and like if you've got a p-base you know and a neve di in front of that like you're stoked and you can take it anywhere with you and you can set up in that room and your monitor guy can just be like here's two channels they sounds like a fucking album (laughs) yeah you know, we've got tape emulation running across these two channels already as part of our show. You know, the guys, they want to have the tape emulation on for their ears mixes. That's the kind of shit that we're talking about. It's portable. So it's somewhere between absolutely pretentious and totally possible. And doable. Yeah. just doable. Yeah. yeah, you have to be pretty crafty, but it's doable. It's like it's having the studio on the stage, man. I wonder if that really is changing how people are making records. It seems like it would have to a lot, like the people are making it from, with, with that in mind. Because, you know, yeah. everything we ever did was never like, and make sure that we can also do this <laughs> exactly right. kind of the same again every night forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sort of like, that wasn't required to get your idea across, you know different scope of different scope of artistic realism I was watching Black Sabbath some shit from like 69 (laughs) some show they're playing wherever and I was just devastated I was like you know the noise and the the cymbals and the amps and just all the uh, the like what kind of monitoring did they even have like some cardboard speakers like huffing at them and like you know, just absolute chaos, and Ozzy could sing just so perfectly on key. That is not what I thought you were going to say. <clears throat> no, it was beautiful. It was like everything was perfect in this completely weird, sloppy, perfect way, but it was all perfect. Ozzy was amazing, man. He had perfect yeah. pitch. Do you think that people can sing now at all? Really? Yeah, there's some. There's a lot of shredders out there. There's a lot of people. You know, a lot of people in indie bands are fucking shredders. A lot of pro, you know, hired guns are are real shredders. A lot of artists are also shredders. A lot of them aren't. Yeah, I mean, really, who are we kidding? Like, YouTube has basically made it possible for every. Like, you see what's happening, obviously, with all the. There's a prodigy of six years old for every possible thing that is like those, mm-hmm. those humans didn't exist when we were young. You know what I mean? Like people were pretty good at stuff, but they really weren't. <laughs> maybe I mean there was maybe they were doing stuff, but there was no medium for them to be 
you know. I just think that there people are just learning and iterating so fast. They like, I mean, I, I sit here now and still stumble on shows. For instance, like that Black Sabbath 1969, or just old Led Zeppelin stuff, or old Pink Floyd stuff. Kind of just stuff that you grew up on. When you go back and revisit it, and you're like. I didn't have access to, like I, when I was 16 I would have died to have been able to watch this concert yeah are you kidding me I know and it's, yeah. every, and it's just like one thing after the other like like hundreds of awesome shows and things to recordings to take in that we didn't have we would just be like I heard my friends got that VHS at his brother's house and he's gonna bring it back over next Sunday so we gotta be there to see if we can you know it was like the whole the whole concept of bootlegging and like chasing bootlegs and duplicating tapes mm. and cataloging these things as well and media du- duplication just just the concept of getting something and duplicating it because you needed to have it that's a foreign concept of like an experience that you need to own yeah. You have to have domain over an object in order to experience the thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my test is now complete. Thank you for testing. It was just a test. Cool. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone